and I can tell you the acupuncture points that you need to work with to double revenue. So after a demo call, we know exactly what's possible and what kind of additional sales they can achieve in 90 days. Then we show them the acupuncture points and said, this is what you need to do. This is your game plan. And since the things that we install are systems, it's not a tactic. This is strategy sprints. So those are systems, sales systems, marketing systems, client onboarding systems, client feedback systems. Mm -hmm. When you install a system and they get our blueprints, it's now on their Google Drive. So many, many, many parts that come together to achieve these three things. Mm -hmm. Higher conversion rate by 25%, a shorter sales time by 25%, and a higher price that you can charge for your offer by 25%. These are the three strategies, we call them. These are the three acupuncture points. If you want to double your revenue, you just need to increase those three by 25% each. You're listening to the Paris Talks Marketing Podcast, where we interview top marketing leaders at high growth SaaS and other recurring revenue-based companies. Our goal with this podcast is to cut through the fluff and jargon of digital marketing to reveal what's really working at some of the fastest growing, most successful SaaS companies today. The Paris Talks Marketing Podcast is sponsored by Hop Online, a performance growth marketing agency. If you like this episode, and would like to have a similar conversation with someone at our agency, just go to hop.online, H-O-P.online, and book a discovery call with one of our strategists today. Now, let's get into the episode. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Paris Talks Marketing. Today, my guest is Simon Severino. Simon is the author and CEO of consulting firm Strategy Sprints and the host of Strategy Sprints podcast. He created the Strategy Sprints trademark method that doubles revenue in 90 days by getting owners out of the weeds. Simon leads a global team of certified Strategy Sprint coaches that help clients gain market share and work in weekly sprints, which result in fast execution. As a member of SVBS, which stands for Silicon Valley Blockchain Society, he enables cross stage capital flows and helps minimize execution risks in technology startups. His team is trusted by Google, Consilience Ventures, Roche, Amgen, AbbVie, and hundreds of frontier teams. He is a TEDx speaker and has appeared on over 500 podcasts. No pressure for me. He also writes for Forbes and Entrepreneur Magazine about scaling digital businesses. So with that, Simon, welcome to the show. Hey, Paris. Hey, everybody. Happy to be here. Why don't you start us off by just telling us a little bit about what you're up to these days, who you are and what you're doing. It's 21 years that I do only one thing. I did fell in love with everything, go to market and scaling because these are the vital things for me time and money. These are the vital things. And these are the, the big, tough problems to solve when you run a business. Since I'm a consultant, that was what I was called for. Hey, Simon, come to Paris. We have to find out how to roll out this product. Hey, Simon, come to New York. We need to align around that go-to-market strategy quickly. So this was asked and I was delivering. That's how you do consulting, right? You, you solve the problems that your teams have. So year by year, I learned more just by doing it that some things were working and many things were not working. And the things that were working, I started, of course, saving and reusing when the next client would have that problem. So I started creating what became the Sprint University, a set of marketing blueprints, sales blueprints, operational blueprints 
blueprints that would help me have something when the next client needs this, that I can pull it off faster because they need it right now. And so that became the Sprint University. Mm -hmm. Now, at some point, I became the bottleneck of my business. As many founders know, you have limited time, right? You cannot do everything. So at some point, I had to say no to teams asking me, Simon, can you help us with this go-to-market topic? And I would say, no, I can't because my time's up. I'm booked out the whole year. And at that point, I realized what a stupid business model I have because you don't build a business to say no to work. And so I was like, what am I doing wrong? I'm missing something. What am I missing? And then I realized that I had a business model that was all built around the founder's time. And so I had to change a couple of things. First, that it's not about the founder, but it's about the method. So I had to codify the method, get it out of my head, write it down and start teaching it to others. And the second problem that I had to solve was not charging anymore for time, which is an input, but for outputs. So I started measuring exactly what is exactly the output that our clients have. What can we promise in month one, in month two, in month three? What is repeatedly and reliably coming out of working with us? And so we, we specified the program, we trimmed it week by week, and then it became a, just a very precise thing. It's only for B2B businesses who are doing 35K per month. In 90 days, they want to be at 70K per month. And we just kept the things that repeatedly delivered that. We improved it every week. And that was one thing. You can call it operational improvement, right? The offer, improving the product itself, the offer itself. And then removing the founder from that, removing the bottleneck and starting teaching others. And today, fast forward, it's a global business. We are in all time zones available and it's a certification model. So people get certified as a strategist prince coach, and then they rock their industry, their country. Plus we meet every Monday together. We go through all clients, sprint dashboard, marketing numbers, sales numbers, operations numbers, to ensure that all our clients uh, scale in the pace that they want. Mm -hmm. How many clients are you working with today? So per week, we have an average of 18 to 24 clients and um, they start in month one with improving operation, meaning writing down how they are allocating their time. And the goal of month one is to free up 14 to 16 hours of their time per week because we need to get them out of the weeds. They are usually still working in the business. And so we have to help them working partly in the business, partly on the business. And that part on the business, that will grow month by month. Because with that 10 hours, 14 hours per week that they have now, we work with them on improving form, fit and function of their operations, form, fit and function of their sales processes. You mentioned earlier that you decided to stop charging for the inputs, which is time, and more for the outputs. And your model is, has a very clear promise, the, the brand promise, which is to double revenue in 90 days. Is that correct? Correct. And when you charge for the outputs, how much are you willing to go at risk and either guarantee that or tie your fees to that outcome? So if you have zero risk, that's sometimes the agency model, right? Mm -hmm. Where you say, oh, book me for six months, whatever the outcome is. And that is something that people don't like anymore. That's over. Nice try, but that's over. And it, it has never been the best model. So that is the agency has zero risk. Client has all the risk. That's obviously not a good model. Then you can go 50-50 and then you can go all risk on your side. Which one is the best for the client? 
Well, the client, of course, wants to take as little risk as possible for the highest return. So I suppose the client would like to, for all the risk to be on the other side. I prefer 50-50 because both are responsible for the results and both are on their toes, always up. And they, they are invested. They have skin in the game. There's a book by Nicolas Nassim Taleb. It's called Skin in the Game. Mm-hmm. And I think it's one of his most valuable books. It's not that much known as the other books, but this one really goes into what's the difference when you do not split risk 50-50. Like entrepreneurs, sometimes they have 100% of the risk on their shoulders and the market has zero risk. So how can you do it 50-50? For example, Tesla does it 50-50. They say, hey, I'm going to build the Model S. But if you want it, you go now to the landing page, you send $20,000 and then make Maybe in two years, I build it. So that's 50-50. Mm-hmm. Elon does not go 100% risk. He goes 50% risk. And I think that's a good model. So whatever your offer is, think of how can you make it 10x. 10x value for on their side, and then you capture one-tenth. Our numbers of the last 16 years tell us that we on average create an additional sales of $250,000 for our clients. And so with that number, we then said, okay, what can we really reliably guarantee? It's $250,000 if they meet all these criteria. And if they do what the coach says, then $250,000 we can guarantee. So one-tenth of that is what they pay up front for a sprint. Mm -hmm. Now, in some cases, if there are bigger companies, that number is much higher. But for a small business, in the specific criteria, we know exactly the acupuncture points. And I can tell you the acupuncture points that you need to work with to double revenue. So after a demo call, we know exactly what's possible and what kind of additional sales they can achieve in 90 days. Then we show them the acupuncture points and said, this is what you need to do. This is your game plan. We create a game plan for them and says, these are the 12 acupuncture points. Each week, we will solve one of these things. Are you in? Half of the risk is on you because you will pay upfront. Half of the risk is on us because we have to make sure that you that, that you achieve your game plan. Mm-hmm. I like that that you're you're taking one tenth of the average value, and this is from your own experience, charging that upfront as a fee. I think that to me sounds pretty palpable for a customer to accept that I have a good chance of getting an additional two hundred and fifty thousand in ARR. Did you say this is annual revenues? Monthly, 35K per month becomes 70K per month. Ah, okay, monthly. Yeah, then, um, you know, clearly there's a high expectation of getting a a great ROI on that, basically, or effectively pays back. It pays back in one to two months because at that point you're at a higher revenue base. And since the things that we install are systems, it's not a one-time trick, mm-hmm. the, like a tactic. It's not a tactic. This is strategy sprints. So it, the, those are systems, sales systems, marketing systems, client onboarding systems, client feedback systems. Mm-hmm. When you install a system and they get our blueprints, it's now on their Google Drive. It's in their weekly meetings. It's in their daily sales meetings. So it stays with them and it keeps on giving. So when you install a great client onboarding system and after 90 days, the sprint coach is done with the work and is gone, you still have the system and it runs. And if you just improve that by 1% every week, you continue growing. And even if you don't improve it by 1% every week, it keeps compounding 12 times per year, you will get those results. So we are not even talking long-term, 
what the benefits are of installing client onboarding system, the client feedback system, the referral system, the joint venture system, the RBS, the relationship building system. So many, many, many parts that come together to achieve these three things. Mm -hmm. Higher conversion rate by 25%, a shorter sales time by 25%, and a higher price that you can charge for your offer by 25%. These are the three strategies, we call them. These are the three acupuncture points. If you want to double your revenue, you just need to increase those three by 25% each. Mm -hmm. That's interesting the, how you work out that math. Now, our audience is mostly into marketing, and I don't want to pressure you into revealing any secret sauce here, but I do want to ask you, can you give us some insight into one of these marketing systems that is particularly effective? Sure. So in the book, Strategies Prints, which is out now on Amazon, there is a huge marketing chapter. And in the marketing chapter, you have our clients that tell their struggle and then, oh my God, how should I do this? And then what the coach told them and exactly the tools and the checklist and the blueprints that they got and how they didn't want to use them first and then they did use them and then how that really changed their marketing game for fit and function of their marketing system. And it's told from the business owner's perspective. But I'm happy to tell you about our marketing systems and wherever your interest is. We Of the 274 templates, I think around 30 are marketing systems. Okay. Well, actually, where I'd like to go next is I'd like to understand your own marketing for how are you sourcing these clients. I have a few questions related to this. One is, are you looking for a particular type of a client that it's at a certain level of revenue? Do you look for certain clients that are in certain industries where you specialize? And if any of those are true or untrue, then how do you go about acquiring customers? What is your own marketing strategy to acquire your customers? Yes. So pivotal for marketing for us, and I think everybody has to do that, is to really define who you are here to serve. And we like to do that five levels deep. So it's not just demographic, it's it's going deeper. What do they want? What's their dream, right? And what, what are their obstacles? So five levels deep means in our case, we work only with B2B businesses, so no B2C, only with the business owner and his three people. So it's a team of four, owner plus ops plus marketing plus sales. Okay. It's also very specific. That's level two. Then level three, they are doing per month 35K or above. Level four, they want to double it as quickly as possible. And level five, they have at least a big part of their business online. So that's five levels deep. And however you create your ideal customer, two tips. First, make it five levels deep. Don't stop at three or four. Even better if you go eight levels deep, okay? So the more precise, the better, especially in the beginning, especially if you are below 35K per month, then this is vital. You start sharp in strategy, in go-to-market strategy, you always start very sharp and then you broaden later to defend, but you never start something broad. Like Warren Buffett said, if you, if you understand understand growth, you put everything on one card because you understand it and you grow it. And if you later want to defend it, you diversify, but you don't grow with diversification. You defend via diversification. If you want to grow, you put everything on one card because you understand the card. So that's the first thing. And the second one in marketing is then to define your content creation pillars and your content creation process. The things that we share, the tools are mainly how to come up with a content market strategy strategy and execution. So the strategy is really, now you have defined who you are here to serve. And a mistake that I see happening is this people dream it up. You don't have to dream it up. Look backwards to all the people that you've worked with. Which one did you enjoy working with the most? And extrapolate those five criteria from them. Mm -hmm. So don't dream it up forwards. That never works. But from your current people that you're working with, 
extrapolate the ideal ones because there was the highest energy, the highest impact, the highest outcome, most referrals, and try to learn what, what made that happen. What were the five criteria that differentiates them from the others? And so you, it's a backward learning. It's not really a forward definition. It's a backward learning. First do stuff, then learn from stuff. Yeah. And as you're applying these five different levels, I see it as still relatively broad because it's B2B over 35K. You invest in content marketing. So how what kind of content do you write and who is specifically you're trying to attract with the content? If five levels is too broad for you, go to eight levels, nine levels. Mm -hmm. How do you pick your content to make? We say pick the three pain points of your ideal client. You have defined your ideal client. Now you pick three current pain points, not the solutions. Don't talk about your solutions. Talk about the problems. And so you pick those three problems. I picked just two problems, money and time. Mm -hmm. Because everybody who runs a B2B business at 35K, they think about money, cash flow, and they think about time. How can I go on holiday and these things is still working well? These are the two main things. And so time and money is what we picked, but you can pick up to three in our program. And then you create the so-called refinery. A refinery is a process that we share with our clients. One is on Monday morning, you set a limited amount of time for marketing because in our world, I don't want to offend anybody, but in our world, marketing is the least important thing in running a business. The most important is operations. The second most important is sales. And so marketing is just telling the world about something great that you have so that you can start working. Sales. Mm. So in those three things, we try to limit the time and resources that we spend on marketing, but having the impact that you need to have. And what's the impact? You want to start conversations with the right people. So Monday morning, how much time do you want to put into marketing and how much budget? We always say zero budget, two hours for a starter. And then the two hours, except software, software is fine. And then two hours, Monday morning, let's say you say nine to 11, I'm going to create content. Then we say, all right, the content is clear what you are writing about. It's this three pain problem, these pain points. And now go as real as possible, as vulnerable as possible. Your mistakes, your journey, your learning, your insights, what is working. So basically about what's not working and what's working and how you're exploring this and what you're learning and what you find out. And then you pick the way that comes more natural to you. Some people, for them, it's easier to write. And for other people, it's easier to talk. So I'm on the talker side. I'm Italian. Yeah, I am also. I'm not Italian, but I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm on the talker side. Talkers, it's easier to talk into a video, probably. So what I do from 9 to 11, and meanwhile, it's just an hour and 9 to 10 on Monday, is for one hour, I click recording on this camera and I talk for an hour. Now, at the beginning, it was scripted. Now it's free flow. After, after 800 pieces, you, you get a little bit more used to yeah. it. And then your team slices it up and reuses it nine times. And in the refinery, we show exactly how you reuse it. So transcribing, reusing, cutting, then making the appropriate revisions for LinkedIn. On LinkedIn, it becomes a newsletter and a poll. On TikTok, it becomes something else, etc. The first question is, where, where do your people hang out? You have defined them. Where do they hang out? And you put more into making that uh, appropriate to that context. And then the rest of the channels that you pick, it just gets reused. Mm -hmm. uh, nine times. And by doing that, you focus also more on the evergreen than on the current stuff. So part of it, you even put into a software that every six months will repost it because every six months you will have maybe one third of your audience, which is completely new for them. It's fresh content. So that's the refinery. It's one of those 30 systems. And it's about how you create content that is real, that comes from the heart, that works, that is valuable, that creates trust and, and interest and engagement without spending more than two hours per week 
of the founder's time and so that your team or freelancers that you hire, VAs that you hire, can help you reuse that content nine times. Mm-hmm. So you, you're sitting down every morning for, for how long, did you say? Every Monday, one hour. But oh. when I started, it was every Monday, two hours. Two hours. Okay. And it was scripted initially, and now you're just going a little bit more off the cuff. How do you get inspiration in that moment? And what if you don't really feel like you have anything really meaningful to say? How do you get that started? Yeah, great question. So during the week, you know, mostly during my morning run, when I go running, I get ideas because it's the things that I am thinking about that I need to solve. Like, oh my God, I can't find this position to hire. What's the best way to hire? What am I doing wrong? So on my phone, I have a note. That's the Monday note. And I start writing down hiring. How to do hiring less bad than I'm doing it this week? What do I do next? Who do I ask? Is there a good book that I can check? Should Should I reread chapter 13 of my own book, which is about hiring? What did I miss? And so I write down whatever I am experiencing right now because I'm also a B2B business owner who scales so that becomes a note and then you know I talk to somebody I read a magazine I have the new idea oh my god look what's happening in that industry they're solving it this way I note it in the same note so on Monday when I sit down to my usual time I have zero idea what I'm doing I just show up like Hemingway because it's time to show up Mm -hmm. however I feel I don't have to feel inspired I just sit to my desk and I have to do my my work Mm -hmm. and then I open that note and boom it hits me oh yeah I remember Okay, so you can trigger the inspiration just with the note-taking technique? By, with preparation, yes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and that's, that's how you can create a 10 minutes monologue. And nobody wants to listen to more than 10 minutes on YouTube. So since my pillar strategy is first a 10 minutes monologue, that's enough for 10 minutes. And then they do a second one, which is for our clients. They get a longer version, a 20 minutes version with mm-hmm. the nitty gritty and oh, okay. the checklist and the blueprint. And they can ask me questions, etc. That goes into our private communities and client mm-hmm. communities. But the first 10 minutes of content, that's, you know, for for the general public, it's basically marketing content that goes out there. And then my team schedules when to publish that on YouTube. And in the same half an hour that it will be published on YouTube, they send it as a newsletter to, to our email list because we want in that first half an hour YouTube to go, oh, that's relevant. People like it. Similar to LinkedIn. After we post something on LinkedIn, we ask our community, hey, we just posted something and they go and comment. It's just a timing thing. The rest is just tactical mm-hmm. of using the first half an hour to amplify content. Now, a quick word from our sponsor. The Paris Talks Marketing Show is affiliated with Hop Online, a performance marketing agency focused on high-growth SaaS and other recurring revenue-based companies. If you like the flow of this conversation, you may want to consider jumping on a discovery call with someone at Hop Online. A discovery call is similar to my podcast interviews in a lot of ways. We'll get to know your business goals, competitive landscape, and marketing needs. And you'll almost certainly come away with some new ideas for how to accelerate your customer and revenue growth. If you're interested, go to hop.online, that's hop.online, and book a discovery call with one of our strategists today. Now, back to the episode. I think that's a very key part of the strategy is to try to get eyeballs or viewers on that content immediately, just so that you can trigger the organic, you can kind of trigger the organic momentum after that, including even putting a little bit of paid budget sometimes behind it. We never do that. No? We never do that. No. There are cheaper ways to do it. And, you know, 
our clients are Google and company, etc. So I, I will not tell too much from behind the scenes. Let me just tell from the perspective of a cheapo CEO that I am, that I always try to save where I can save so that I can spend where I want to spend. And I don't want to spend in marketing. I want to spend in sales and operations. So how do I save on the marketing side? By observing, well, first is the timing, using this half an hour instead of posting randomly. So we have an editorial calendar and we use this half an hour and mobilize the whole community to that half an hour. Then the second thing that we do, we observe, we, once a week we have the analytics team and they tell me all the numbers. And I basically know immediately, okay, LinkedIn this week, we just had the analytics meeting of this week. So I know that LinkedIn right now pushes two things. I know that Instagram pushes other things, etc. We will do those features more on LinkedIn right now. I don't know when this goes on air, but this week it's the newsletter feature. They push it incredibly. We get 22,000 views on a newsletter. Can you imagine? Because they just push it. And, um, you know, the same newsletter, uh, the same thing as a blog on our website gets 1,000 views. And there it gets 22,000 just because they push. Mm -hmm. And then the second thing that they're pushing is polls whenever you ask questions. So in the next month, it will be something else. But the analytics meeting will tell me that. And then we go, hmm. And this is also how we saw that the, the price of the ads was going really up from starting November, December of last year. And this is when we completely uh, we cut out all the advertising, cut off every, we, we never had advertising, but our clients have advertising. And so we were trying to find out more organic ways to get them to, to scale. So we, we developed the, the referral engine, the small JV system, the big JV systems, the affiliate partner, one pager, etc. all tactics that can gradually decrease the cost of acquisition still have the same number of conversations that they start per week, but with less cost because you cannot rely on those platforms, Facebook and company. They can always change as they want. And um, it's better if you own the system. That's mm -hmm. first best. Yeah, that's really interesting. And so in this 30 minute window, if you get inspiration during the week, rather than get in front of the camera and take advantage of that moment, you postpone it, you have a discipline to just leave it to the next Monday, huh? Yes, I put it on a, on a note a quickly. I, I talk it into, into a note on my phone. Mm -hmm. And so it will be there on Monday. Before yeah. that, I would immediately go live somewhere on Instagram. Of course, nobody... Nobody gets that because it's not the right moment for all your audiences in the different mm -hmm. countries, etc. They are not prepared for that. Mm -hmm. But if they are used, I don't know, that every Friday they get your five bullet points. For example, one of our clients is amazing. Sunny in, in Los Angeles, he is a tech consultant to the deep tech space in around Silicon Valley. Mm -hmm. And so in the sprint, he focused totally on just blockchain teams, right? People who are building blockchain stuff. And so now every, every week on LinkedIn, he posts posts one piece. It's called the blockchain brief. The five things you have to know this week about blockchain for your business. Mm -hmm. Perfect. It's the perfect positioning for him. It makes him the expert. It's very focused and it's just good. And it's very simple, right? He spends now much less time uh, creating content, but his sales went through the roof because it's now much easier. I can tell you, hey, Sunny is the blockchain guy. So it's much more easy for everybody to refer to him. It's easier, you know, that's positioning. And it's easier for him to, to say what he stands for. It's easier for other people to refer to him. And so the referral system is working much better now. Mm -hmm. And everybody knows what to expect. And now if you do that, let's say every Thursday evening, now people know, oh, it's Thursday. Where is my blockchain brief? They would miss it if it wasn't there.
Is he putting that out via LinkedIn Live or is it with a, a newsletter on LinkedIn? Just a post. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. Great stuff. Well, Simon, I'd like to pivot over to another format that we have had some fun with lately, which are some rapid fire questions. Are you up for that? Let's go. Okay. So question number one, from the channels that you're currently using as part of your own marketing, pick three, one to kiss, one to marry, and one to kill. Kiss what are marry. they? <laughs> I kiss the YouTube channel. I marry the joint venture system, affiliate partnerships. Okay. And I kill Instagram Live. All right, great. Next question is, what's the worst commercial that you've seen recently? What makes it so bad? Oh my God, I don't have a TV since 15 years. Mm -hmm. So I get commercials on YouTube sometimes. Yeah. They are all awful. Every single one sucks. Oh, wait, there was one which was actually good. It's easier for me to talk about the only one. Yeah, talk one. about that one, sure. I was almost buying it. It was Robin Sharma talking about his whatever, leadership, inspiration, DVDs. It was something like from the 80s. But the way he talks, I love Robin Sharma. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know who on this planet still has DVDs, yeah. but I love Robin Sharma. The words that he uses, he's so attentive and caring. It's beautiful. Robin Sharma? I don't Robin know Sharma is like, like an you know, inspirational coach kind of, uh -huh. but from the top quality. Got it. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check him out right after this. Okay. The next question I have for you is what marketing win in the last year surprised you the most? I was really surprised about LinkedIn working so well for us. Mm -hmm. I would not expect that. Both the number of followers, the newsletter getting 22,000 views. And it was in terms of revenue per week that we generate from LinkedIn. I just thought, like I always think about marketing, is just generating conversations. For me, it's, there is no dollar value. It's not a sales system for me. It's just a marketing system. And I was, I was surprised because it's, it's generating massive sales. Mm -hmm. How do you work? Uh, just a side question. The newsletter, you launched that newsletter inside of LinkedIn? Yes. Okay. What is that feature? I'm not aware of it. Me neither. But my team tells me every week, hey, these are the features that are new here and that we can use. And so they told me there is this newsletter inside of LinkedIn that lets you click. Okay. This goes out not as a post, but as a newsletter. And that starts informing your people. So you, you pick if it's weekly or another cadence. Mm -hmm. And then there is a whole section where they push it. They say, hey, these are the newsletters about this topic. And, and plus they remind people, they remind all your followers mm -hmm. about it. And there is, I think, even a feature, but I'm not sure here because I'm, I'm not in the business. I'm, I just get the reports and the general questions. Yeah. But I think there is even a way to get um, data and maybe even email addresses from the people that opt in. Okay. You can build Incredible. a list inside of that. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. That's something that I haven't tried. And I wonder if you can get better reach by taking the same content and putting it out there in a newsletter on LinkedIn versus a, just a regular post. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Definitely. That's, Sounds like it. I don't know, five to one in terms of impact. Mm -hmm. Great. All right. Next question. What project gave you the most trouble, but ultimately gave you the biggest rewards? The most trouble? Definitely writing the book. That was like, you know, giving birth to a baby. We have three kids. Mm -hmm. So for me, it, it's around the time. It took around uh, one and a half years to, mm -hmm. to bring this book into the world. Mm -hmm. It was one year made of six months writing, six months rewriting, rewriting, refining, rewriting, rewriting, rewriting. Then it was publishing. And now it's six months promotion. Mm -hmm. I'm every day on six to eight podcasts to promote the book and um, on stages. So it's like a baby. It's, like, it's very intense. It's a long process. 
It's definitely painful over months. I did hate it in the middle of it. And this is the first part that I enjoy is the promotion part. (laughs) Because now it's out there and I'm getting emails that say, oh my God, Simon, I am in Sri Lanka. Uh, I have now more time for my kids and my business runs better. I am so thankful. And so I'm like, wow, that's cool. And so this is the the first part that's actually, you know, giving something back of all that process. That's why six months was painful. And these last six months, they're fun. Yeah. Okay. The next question I have for you is what's the biggest long-term or short-term threat that you see to your business? Long-term threat is if I would focus on a technological solution. The long-term threat is that a better technology for that gets developed and then we get substituted. That's why I never focus on technology. I do only things that are evergreen and are software agnostic and technology agnostic. Mm -hmm. I can move the Sprint University from Kajabi, where it is now anytime, into something new. Mm -hmm. And it's not dependent on any technology. And the the short-term threat can be liquidity. We are moving into a recession. I'm in Europe. We're moving into recession. The world is probably moving into stagflation, slack recession we would see next one quarter was negative GDP growth we would see the second Mm -hmm. that's why I started a couple years ago getting very very serious about investments and how to keep our team's liquidity and cash flow high by investing in things that will not lose value Mm -hmm. so I, I diversified into eight different asset classes that are uncorrelated to each other energy gold bitcoin etc all different things that make sure whatever happens, we stay liquid, Mm -hmm. both on the team treasury, but also my personal finances. Because at some point, you know, if if everything hits very, very hard, then usually as a founder, you have to pick from your personal finances and refinance the business or the other way around. So both needs to be very, very solid in terms of liquidity and cash flow. So I took that very, very seriously. Yeah, that's a great answer. All right. The next question is, what's the most useless talent that you have? I think every talent that I have is useless. I think the mo- the learning curve stopped after kindergarten. In kindergarten, I learned how to do things with my hands, like, you know, mm-hmm. building things and how to make friends, how to cooperate. Mm-hmm. These are the only two relevant skills. Now, 40 years later, these are the only two really relevant skills. Everything else you can learn on YouTube. That's great. All right, next question. We're, we're almost there. If you could change or redo anything about your marketing or your general approach, what would it be? Oh, I would write the book earlier. Mm-hmm. I would hire earlier. I would fire myself from operations earlier. Yeah, that's it. Great. Okay. This is the last question, I promise. Who on your team do you have weekly one-on-one meetings with? And what do you discuss with them? Oh, daily, nobody. Weekly, everybody. So there is a weekly... <laughs> the only team that has daily stand-ups with us is the sales team. It's 15 minutes of a sales role play in the morning, but I'm not in that team anymore. So uh, I coach the coaches once a week, Mondays, and uh, we have a full team meeting every Friday. And we have the analytics team on Thursday. So we know what to do on Monday and we know what to change on Tuesday, uh, Wednesday, Thursday. On Thursday, we measure... On Friday, we close the sprint, we learn from that, we set the goals for the next sprint. That's the flow of meetings. And I try not to have too many one-on-ones. The mornings, I have deep work. I create stuff that, you know, that our clients need. And in the, in the afternoon, uh, I do scaling uh, of the business, which means joint ventures, affiliate partnerships, and uh, speaking to the world like I'm doing right now. 
Excellent. That's great. I'm really impressed with the overall discipline that you have. And this is a testament to your success, I think, because all of these systems require repetition and discipline. It sounds like you've, you've got it. I think that's the fundamental, one of the fundamental aspects of, uh, of all the systems that I've heard you describe. Well, that's great. Well, Simon, this has been fantastic. Uh, we're a little bit over the, the, the plan time, but I've really enjoyed this. Obviously, the book is called Strategy Sprints. So all you have to do is go and Google that. Um, where is the best place for people to reach out and find you? online uh, strategysprints.com and my youtube channel is called strategy sprints great well thanks again simon and good luck with this and i'm looking forward to keeping in touch thank you paris thank you everybody keep rolling another great episode in the books hope you enjoyed it if you want to get notified when future episodes drop be sure to subscribe to paris talks marketing on your favorite podcast player and to learn more about our growth marketing agency visit hop.online that's hop, H-O-P dot online. Have a great day.